the Rangers give up a late lead in Toronto and end up falling to the Maple Leafs 3-2 in overtime. We're going to talk about what led to the Rangers undoing on today's episode and also give some well-deserved credit to the recently reformed kid line. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 758 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, and today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. And... Tough loss for the Rangers in Toronto tonight. You know, it would have been a very gratifying win. Uh, First period was, all right, you know, I thought the Rangers were in the game, but they were trailing by a little bit, uh, maybe back on their heels, especially toward the latter parts of the first period. And I thought this is one of those games where the Rangers got stronger and stronger as the game progressed. Uh, The issue, the biggest issue that I thought the Rangers had in this game was they were not able to build upon their 2-1 to lead. They had plenty of chances. Uh, There were times in the third period where I thought the Rangers were absolutely dominant. You thought for sure that that, uh, you know, uh, insurance goal was on the way and they were going to get up three to one and, uh, you know, be well on their way to a victory here. But, you know, they couldn't convert a lot of chances. One that really stands out is the uh, the Chris Kreider tip in while the Rangers were on the power play. That's a goal that he buries every time last season. Uh, was not able to do it here. Deflected it wide of the net, wide of the far post. And as a result, the Rangers lead stayed at two to one. And kind of kept the door open for a Toronto uh, comeback, which eventually came to fruition. I mean, look, the Rangers, I thought, defended pretty well in this game. Uh, Igor made some big saves when he needed to. You, you're you kind of playing with fire when you're outplaying the Maple Leafs, but you only have a one-goal lead and you do not build on that lead. They have so many weapons, uh, such an offensively talented team that a lot of times— Uh, what's going to happen is exactly what happened in this game. Rangers held them off for as long as they could. They score the equalizer with less than five minutes to go, and they, of course, win it in overtime as well. But, you know, we're going to talk about everything that I just mentioned. We're going to talk about the big finish and everything that happened late in the third period, as well as the uh, very brief overtime period as well. Uh, Also going to give some props to the kid line. Thought they had a really nice night for themselves, responsible for each of the Rangers' two goals, which were, of course, both scored by Philip Hedl, who now has a new career high in goals as he enjoys, you know, something of a breakout season here. Also going to get into uh, Will Cooley's much-anticipated debut and going to leave you guys with uh, some positive thoughts at the end of this episode, despite the fact that this was a tough loss for the Rangers. It was tough because I think it's more just a fact that it would have been a very gratifying win if they got it. The fact that they lost us in overtime, it's not like the worst loss of the year. It's not backbreaking. I mean, the fact that they gave up another third-period lead, uh, which has happened a few times this season, that doesn't make it, uh, you know, a whole lot of fun, obviously. But, you know, overall, I just thought it was a really good hockey game. And, you know, unfortunately, the Rangers came out on the short end of the stick. Um, but, you know, let's just dive right into uh, some of the uh, the dramatic moments from uh, late in the third period. For starters, I already mentioned the uh, Chris Kreider missed tip-in on the power play. Um, Rangers were moving the puck around. They only got two power play chances. Um, looked okay. You know, the first power play, they had four shots on goal, but none of them were of the high danger variety, I didn't think. I thought the second power play was a lot better. Uh, the top unit was good. The second unit was good. Some good puck movement. Uh, just a situation where they did not finish, and they had a chance to finish. But like I said, Kreider, you know, missing that tip-in goal, which is, 
you know, we got so used to seeing him score on pretty much every single one of those last season that it remains surprising anytime uh, that he's unable to finish in this spot. I'm sure he'd be the first one to tell you that, you know, he's got to bury that. You could tell on the bench. I mean, he was kind of shaking his head. Couldn't believe that he missed that one. And, um, you know, if he makes that, very good chance that the Rangers go on to win this game. Uh, but then less than five minutes remaining in the third period. And like I said, the Rangers still up 2-1 to one at this point in the game. Uh, the Maple Leafs get a 2-on-1 opportunity. Igor Shosturkin with a really nice glove save. Uh, didn't catch it clean, but he deflected it wide of the net. Uh, the very next shift, unfortunately, though, uh, you get a sliding pad save by Igor Shosturkin. And Lilligren uh, buries the rebound. That ties the score at 2-2 two two with 4-11 remaining. One thing that I liked here, we're going to talk about the kid line a little bit later in this game. Uh, the Raiders went right back to the kid line after the goal was scored. I always think that's important. You know, what line are you going to go with after a goal, particularly when your opponent scores, because you need to come back strong with a good shift and, you know, try to get things rolling for your team. Uh, they went back to the kid line, who I thought had another uh, pretty solid shift there. Nothing too crazy, but, you know, they were out there, you know, competing hard and uh, obviously, you know, not allowing the Leafs to, you know, kind of build on that momentum, uh, at least for the time being there. Um, you also had... Igor Shesterkin making a couple of uh, his better saves of the night down the stretch in this game. Had to make a couple of really good saves, you know, moving left to right or vice versa uh, in those final few minutes there. Uh, made a save from in deep, and then the Rangers took a timeout with 126 to go. Then the Rangers almost scored late in regulation. He had Mika uh, passing in front to Artemi Panarin. Panarin was behind the net, uh, was coming in front of the net. And Mika saw it, you know, developing. He tried to get it to Panarin. He did get it to Panarin. Panarin with a redirection, uh, but just a really nice save made on the play. And then, and this was just kind of a crazy play at the end of uh, at the end of regulation here. Leafs get the puck into the Rangers zone. They're buzzing as they were, you know, for a lot of the final five, six, seven minutes, maybe eight minutes of the third period there. But you get puck worked over to Tavares, who's in the slot area. He takes a shot from there. High danger scoring opportunity. You got Adam Fox going down to the ice, you know, sliding, trying to block the shot. Uh, Tavares rings it off the crossbar. Couldn't have hit the crossbar much more squarely because it, it hit the crossbar and immediately just bounced back in the opposite direction. So um, Rangers dodged a bullet there because, I mean, this was basically uh, the Keandre Miller goal, you know, from a few games back against the Stars. He scored with less than a second remaining. I think if uh, this puck is an inch or two lower, it probably goes in, and I think it likely would have beaten the buzzer, and, and it would have been a really tough loss for the Rangers. And, um, and, and especially tough loss as well because you'd end up with zero points. You know, you were, with five minutes remaining, you looked like you were on your way to a regulation win, and if Tavares scores here, it's a regulation loss, and you go from two points to zero points. At least with the overtime loss, Again, very disappointing ending to what was otherwise a pretty strong performance by the Rangers, but at least with the overtime loss, you get a point. And uh, the way the Eastern Conference is, and specifically the Metro Division, every point counts, and uh, that could end up being big in the long run. But as for the overtime, I mean, there's not really a whole lot to say because it didn't last very long, but uh, Toronto wins the faceoff. Rangers never touched the puck. You had Panarin, uh, Mika Zibanejad, and Keandre Miller out there. And Marner goes in, you know, he goes around Panarin, Panarin uh, was not able to stop him on his drive to the net, and Marner scores. But I have a question for everybody that was watching this game. You know, obviously Marner, you know, he carries it across the crease, uh, does a nice job kind of delaying with the puck, and uh, scores. Igor unable to stop him. But I have a question for everybody. Did anybody else not see this happen live? Was this just me? Because here's what happened. So game is going to overtime, goes to a commercial, which is what tends to happen. You know, anytime a game goes from regulation into overtime, but, you know, these commercials just keep going and going and going and going. And I'm thinking, my God, this is taking a long time. Like, if anything, I feel like the commercial break 
between the third period and overtime is actually usually a little bit on the shorter side. These commercials just would end. I'm just watching one after another after another. And then I'm on Twitter and I'm seeing tweets from Vince Mercagliano and he's saying, okay, it looks like, you know, Panarin and uh, Miller and Mika are going to start overtime. And I'm thinking like, how does he know that? Because you know, the commercials are just keep rolling for me. But then I remember like, okay, well, he's probably in the arena. He can maybe see the three players on the ice and that's how he knows. And then I'm seeing some other, you know, really pessimistic tweets and like kind of downtrodden tweets from Ranger fans. And I'm thinking like, dude, like we're going to overtime here. We got a shot at this. We're going toe to toe with this good team. Let's, let's all just relax. Apparently those Ranger fans had already seen the game winning goal and I had not. And again, I don't know if this was just in my area or if it was my, you know, streaming service, you know, maybe other streaming services did not miss the game winning goal. Maybe uh, different cable services did not miss the game-winning goal. I didn't see anybody else mention this on Twitter, but I'm telling you, when they came back from the commercial, I was treated to a replay of Mitch Marner uh, scoring a goal from from right in the crease there. So uh, the loss was unfortunate, and and for me personally, that somehow made it even worse to not even get to see what was happening in overtime. They come back from commercial, and oh, hey, the Rangers have already lost. Uh, that was just really, really annoying, and clearly somebody really, really dropped the ball there. I don't know what the issue was. I don't know what goes on behind the scenes there, but uh, I just wanted to share that story and uh, just kind of wonder, and let me know, you know, DM me, put comments in the YouTube section, whatever, if anybody else uh, did not get to see the game-winning goal, or at least not until the replay. So, yeah, unfortunate. I never went back and saw the live feed because they showed the entire overtime period, which is only 19 seconds and Marner scores and no real reason to uh, look up the live feed because I saw the entire overtime period uh, on the replay there. But like I said, just wanted to share a little bit of a story there and uh, kind of vent a little bit about uh, the way that all went down for the Rangers, you know, not only losing, but me not even seeing it happen live. Um, but anyway, we're going to keep rolling in just a second here. I uh, want to, uh, like I said in the intro, Give some props to Philip Heedle as well as the rest of the kid line. Uh, also going to have some general thoughts on the line combinations. And going to talk about Will Cooley uh, making his NHL debut, uh, doing so on the Ranger fourth line. And we're going to do all that good stuff in just a second. But first, just got to let everybody know, today's episode of Locked on New York Rangers is brought to you by our new sponsor, FanDuel. The NFL playoffs are here. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash Locked On. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to lose. use. So football fans, do not miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, we just want to thank everybody, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. So let's go ahead, talk about uh, what was a really strong night for the uh, Ranger kid line. Uh, You know, their 90th reunion here, whatever it's up to at this point, but it seems to have 
uh, you know, spark these players. I think, you know, obviously Heedles had a pretty nice season for himself, but he ends up with two goals here. Uh, Kaka was on fire for a while, slowed down a little bit, as did most of the Ranger team for a couple uh, games at a time, but he looked really good in this game. And Lafreniere, really been struggling lately, but an assist here tonight, a goal in the most recent game, you'll kind of take the baby steps at this point for Lafreniere because he was going through a you know, a big-time dry spell, a big-time slump. Uh, so nice to see him contributing at least a little bit. Um, but, yeah, to just kind of go through the highlights, uh, you know, from uh, from the kid line here, we'll talk about the goals. We'll talk about a couple of other uh, plays that stood out in one way or another. But we'll start with the goals. You know, Rangers are down one to nothing pretty early in the uh, second period. And Filipino, man, blinking, you missed it because they dropped the puck, and it was in the left face-off circle. And we've talked about how Filipino has struggled a little bit on face-offs. So what the hey, just shoot the puck. Don't even try to win the face-off. Just put it toward the net. Uh, that's what Heedle did. You know, they dropped the puck. He shoots it, gets his stick on it, and it goes into the net. Looked like the goalie uh, maybe perhaps was not quite prepared to make the save there. It looked like he got caught a little bit flat-footed, uh, went through the five-hole, and uh, Heedle scores. That is Heedle's 10th point in his last 10 games. Uh, the other four Rangers that were on the ice here, the other four skaters, they will never get an easier plus one in their entire life. They could have been staying there blindfolded and uh, wouldn't have made a difference. You know, he'll, uh, the the definition of an unassisted goal uh, right here by Philip Heedle. Um, the second goal, in some ways, was even better because instead of just a great individual effort by Philip Heedle, you've got uh, Kako and Lafreniere making big plays here. Kako with just an amazing shift. So he stole the puck at the blue line as Toronto was going to clear, and that set the whole thing in motion. But actually, before he stole the puck, uh, right here, he actually also, you know, in on the forecheck, disrupted uh, a Toronto pass, which also prevented them from scoring or from clearing the zone. So uh, Kako twice in this shift in the offensive zone prevents Toronto from, I don't want to say an easy clear, but a clear that they should have probably been able to get. And Kako was all over them and just would not let it happen. And from there, uh, you've got Kako passing to his right to Alexi Lafreniere. Nice play by Lafreniere here too. Uh, Toronto defender, you know, bodies him but he kind of spins off of them a little bit, passes back to his left to Kako. Now, Kako is moving uh, into the left face-off circle, and a defender's in his way, and he faked this guy out of his skates, went around him, and it was looking like Kako was going to shoot, but he got Philip Heedle on the other side of the net. He was tapping his stick on the ice, you know, calling for the puck, and uh, Kako passes it over to him, kind of across the uh, top of the crease there, and Heedle buries it uh, with a one-timer. So, just a beautiful goal. One of the nicer goals that the Rangers have scored all season. Nice to see all three of the kids contribute on this play. Uh, 15 goals for Philip Heedle. That is a new career high, and we got a long way to go this season. Um, new career high, 28 points, I believe they said as well on the uh, TNT broadcast. And he scores two goals in the span of just four minutes and 20 seconds here. So awesome stuff on the goals, but it didn't stop there. You know, I was really impressed by a couple of other plays that the kid line made in this game. Um, there was an incident, this was not so great, but uh, Philip Heedle took an offensive zone tripping penalty. I don't think he did it on purpose. You know, he, he kind of just lost track of where his stick was, I guess, and took the guy's skate out from under him. Uh, but that leads to a Toronto power play. And you know, the Rangers actually got a chance here, three on one at the start of the power play. Uh, Mika DeKreider off the glove of Samsonov, and he does not score. But um, once Philip Heedle got out of the penalty box. The Rangers tried to spring him on a breakaway. The pass missed, but it went behind the Toronto net. He you know, flies back there. He's got fantastic speed. So he flies back there, picks it up, comes around the other side, and uh, tries to basically you know, shoot from the doorstep there with a couple of Maple Leafs bearing down on him. And he rings it off the near post. So Philip Heedle missing a hat trick. What I'm almost positive would have been his first 
uh, regular season hat trick in the NHL. I say regular season because uh, I was fortunate enough to attend a preseason game where uh, he scored um, a hat trick with an overtime winner. So that was really cool. I'll never forget that. Um, but yeah, you know, Hedl, obviously the fantastic game, misses a, a scoring a hat trick there by just a couple of inches. And like I said, you know, we talked about that a little bit earlier, but that was kind of the name of the game for the Rangers. There were a lot of incidents uh, where they came very close to scoring, came very close to increasing their lead, just were not quite able to do so. A um, couple of other things for the uh, the kid line. I thought that uh, they had a really good shift on the Rangers' second power play. They came onto the ice for the second half of the power play in the third period. Just great puck movement. One of those situations where, you know, it didn't go into the net. And I do have to give a quick shout-out. I saw—I'm sorry, I don't have it open right now. I forget who said this to me. But on YouTube in the comments section, I made a prediction that the Rangers would not start the second power play unit for a power play for the entire rest of the regular season. I was proven wrong in our most recent game uh, against the Florida Panthers. And I want to talk about that, but, you know, we were talking with Armando Velez and talking about some things going on with both teams and had a great time recording with uh, Armando. He does a fantastic job there um, and always always good doing those crossover episodes with him. But I missed the chance to, uh, you know, talk about that. So the kid line plus, uh, you know, Miller and Truba, they actually started in the game against the Panthers uh, a power play. It actually happened. But I think part of the reason why it happened is because the top line of Mika and Kreider and Panarin, and I think Fox was on the ice at that time too, they were all on the ice for a long time during the shift where the Panthers were called for the penalty. So I think they were gassed, and Gallant didn't really have a choice. He had to start the second power play unit. So I think that's why it happened. And then 30 seconds into that power play, uh, you've got Truba taking a shot, and the save is made, and... The second power play unit goes off, and the first power play unit comes back on. There's no way they would ever take off that top power play unit after um, 30 seconds. And in most cases, they shouldn't because that's a loaded top power play unit. But as we've talked about recently, you know, they have struggled quite a bit recently, which is why, you know, I, I don't dislike the idea of the second unit once in a while. It doesn't have to happen often, just once in a while, getting a chance to uh, to start a, a power play. Um, as far as, you know, how the kid line is being used and everything— um, you know, I thought at first glance they, they got a pretty good amount of ice time here tonight. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the time on the ice here, and their time on the ice appears uh, fairly comparable to what the players on the second line were getting. Uh, Trocek had a little bit more than any of the kids, as did Barclay Goodrow. Um, Jimmy Vesey also had more than any of the kids, but, you know, the, the kids were right there. I think what trips people up sometimes is the fact that when the kid line is together, they're kind of the third line. You know, they probably should be the second line if you want to generate some offense and give them some more ice time. But, uh, you know, they it's kind of it's kind of a push, you know, between the second line and the third line, whether it's, you know, the, the kid line is the second line or the Goudreau, VZ, and, um, and uh, Trocek, that line is the second line. You know, they're, they're all going to get their ice time for sure. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I think putting them as the— as the second line that gives the kids all a little bit more ice time per night. Uh, and as that is something that I would like to see them do, but I'm not going to go crazy about it either. Uh, a play that kind of set the tone for the kid line to have a big night in this one, I thought was when Capo Caco first shift of the game for the kid line, really a nice drive to the net. Um, you had Igor Shesterkin making a long pass up the ice to Capo Caco. Caco receives the pass at the, uh, the Toronto blue line goes in from the right side you know, just kind of powers his way to the net there and is denied on the doorstep. But what was great here is he went right around the defend the defenseman, you know, went to the outside, 
Use his strength, use his size to his advantage, got to the net, just was not able to finish from the doorstep. But that is something that Capo Caco, certainly in his rookie year, probably his second year, never would have done. I mean, last year we saw a little bit more of it. Um, this year, I think he's just become a much more assertive player. And, you know, he's still got a ways to go. Um, I think most people probably would have thought that he'd be producing points at a higher clip uh, in year four than he currently is. But it is nice to see him uh, make these changes, positive changes, uh, in his game. Uh, and then one other thing that I just wanted to mention in the third period, Lafreniere, uh, you know, the Leafs were starting to buzz at this point. The Rangers were still up by a goal. Long ozone possession for Toronto. And Lafreniere uh, went sliding across the ice to block a shot. And that kind of, uh, you know, killed that scoring opportunity for the Leafs. Unfortunately, uh, they would later tie the game. And then, of course, win it in overtime. But, yeah, I mean, like I said, overall, just a really nice night for the kid line for the New York Rangers. And uh, hopefully it's a sign of what is to come uh, for this trio. I get the feeling that they'll probably keep them together going forward. You never know for sure. We saw uh, VZ and Kreider flip-flopped in this game. So, you know, we'll obviously keep tabs on what the Rangers do with their line combinations. But I do want to talk about Will Cooley making his debut. I know a lot of Ranger fans, including myself, were very excited about this. You know, obviously, former second-round pick for the Rangers and uh, doing a nice job for the Hartford Wolfpack. Big physical kid and uh, trying to give yourself a little bit of a spark. Uh, a nice depth player on your team. And, you know, Sammy Blay, of course, was sent to Hartford on a uh, conditioning assignment. But we were going to talk about Will Cooley couple other things as well in just a second here. And, uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk about that as well as, uh, you know, the, the line combinations, a couple, little bit more on that. And I also want to talk a little bit about Ben Harper and something that I've noticed about Ben Harper uh, since he's been a New York Ranger. It's something that I really like. So we'll do all that in just a second. All right, so Will Cooley. You know, when they called him up, I, I kind of had the feeling – that he was going to debut on the fourth line, and I was completely fine with that. It's kind of a situation where, you know, I'd rather him start on the fourth line, just kind of get his feet wet, get acclimated, acclimated, excuse me, to the NHL, and then if he plays well and, you know, he impresses the coaching staff, he can organically work his way up the lineup in due time. Don't force it. Don't throw him out there on the second line, you know, the first night, especially when you consider the fact that he's a left winger. And, of course, the Rangers have uh, a surplus of left wingers on this team with Kreider and Panarin and Lafreniere. And Brandon Othman's on his way as well, and he's also a, a left winger. So, I don't know, man. Sooner or later, somebody's going to have to switch sides here. And we, we've seen a couple of the Rangers do that. Um, but, like I said, completely fine with uh, Will Cooley uh, starting on the fourth line. Uh, he was out there with Gautier and LeCision. He wore number 50 for the Rangers. And as far as his stats in this game, and we'll get to a couple highlights from him as well, but as, for the, as, for the, as far as the stats go... Um, so no points. He was a minus one overall, uh, four hits, five minutes and 49 seconds of ice time. And then five seconds on the power play. He was out there for, um, you know, th there was a play stoppage, only five seconds left on the main advantage for the Rangers. And, uh, they put him out there for that. And, um, you know, it didn't really matter, but technically he made his power play debut in this one as well. But beyond the stats, you know, there's only so much you can learn from just looking at the box score. Uh, I thought he had a couple of uh, impressive plays in this game. Uh, his first shift in the NHL, wouldn't you know it, the Toronto Maple Leafs score a goal. It wasn't really Cooley's fault, but uh, Holmberg received a pass, just kind of exploded past the Rangers. Uh, Braden Schneider on this play pinched in the offensive zone and didn't get the puck. He was kind of caught in no man's land. Leafs explode out of the zone. So a rare miscue by Braden Schneider. Uh, Gautier tried to cover for him, but he was kind of a fish out of water back uh, in that situation. Holmberg went right past him. Uh, and, you know, Ben Harper was back as well, but uh, Holmberg able to score on a backhand goal on a uh, partial breakaway there. 
first shot on goal of the game, and it's one nothing. And unfortunately, like I said, Will Cooley, uh, a minus one, exactly one shift into his NHL career. But as I mentioned, you know, he was out there for the final five seconds of a power play, delivered a pretty big hit in the corner, you know, during that shift. Um, there was also a situation where uh, he, he had a pretty big hit here. The puck was played slowly into the Toronto zone. Uh, Cooley was approaching the puck, you know, being aggressive on the forecheck here. The right defenseman for Toronto passed to the left defenseman. Cooley followed the puck, went to the other side of the ice, and uh, laid a pretty big hit on the defenseman, knocked him into the boards uh, as he was passing the, the puck up the ice, was the uh, Toronto defenseman. Just a good solid hit. Uh, another solid hit on the forecheck in the second period behind the Toronto net. Uh, you've also got in the third period. This was maybe uh, his most important and probably best play of the night. Uh, he was applying some pressure on the forecheck, as he had done once or twice earlier in the game as well. And that pressure resulted in the Toronto Maple Leafs lifting the puck over the glass and out of play, which is, of course, a delay of game penalty. So uh, Will Cooley, his aggression here and his hustle here, that led to a Ranger power play opportunity. Uh, somewhat unsurprisingly, they did not score on the power play because the power play is still in, in something of a slump for this team. Uh, you know, they, they scored one in the last game, but they got to get it going sooner rather than later. Um, and then uh, one other play in the third period, you get Cooley leading Gautier to the net with a pretty nice pass. The save was made, point blank save. Um, and then Cooley crashes the net, got shoved over Samsonov. So the Maple Leafs took exception to it, but um, you know, he didn't run the goalie or anything here. He was just going to the net, going to the crease. And like I said, some contact from the Maple Leafs. And uh, he basically went flying right over Samsonov. So, you know, a solid debut. There, there was nothing that like, was like, you know, incredible. But overall, he was more noticeable than I think the average Ranger fourth liner has been for a lot of this season. I, I think it was an overall solid debut. He got to debut in his hometown of Toronto. That's obviously very cool as well. And, you know, I would imagine he'll be right back out there for the next one. And, you know, kind of a side note from this whole situation is where exactly does that leave Vitaly Kravtsov? Because he was, of course, the healthy scratch in this game um, and seems to have something of a murky future with the New York Rangers. And we'll discuss that in greater detail in a future episode. You know, that that could be probably its whole own episode or, you know, at least a good chunk of an episode. But uh, we will get to that in a future episode. But, but you know, Kravtsov, yes, yeah, certainly at this point, um, going to face a little bit of an uphill battle getting back into the lineup because, you know, looking at the 12 forwards, I don't even know who you would take out. I mean, I guess you could take out LeCision. Doing that would entail Goudreau uh, likely dropping back down to the fourth line and centering that line. Uh, I guess you could take Gautier out of the lineup, possibly. Um, but I, I think in the minds of the coaching staff, you know, Gautier has played better than Kravtsov this season, and LeCision has done okay, you know, thus far, ever since the Rangers claimed him off of waivers. So, I don't know. I mean, I would imagine we'll see him again, but um, might be some time, and I, I don't think there's any way he'll be back out there against Vegas, despite the fact that the Rangers uh, lost this game. The only other thing as far as the line combinations are concerned, and I mentioned this a minute ago, uh, VZ up to the top line with Mika and Panarin, Kreider down to the second line with Goodrow and Trocek. Um, and, and they made these changes at the start of the second period, and to be fair— and granted, this was not the only reason. The kid line had more to do with this than anything else. But the Rangers looked a lot better in the second period than they did in the first. Not to say they were terrible in the first, but they were just that much better in the second period. Uh, did that sw switch have anything to do with it? Not 100% sure one way or the other, but a little bit of a rough game for Chris Kreider as well. Had a couple of giveaways uh, in some big spots, and I already mentioned the, uh, the deflection that went wide. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention here before we call it a day 
Uh, ben Harper. You know, a lot of Ranger fans are, are pretty happy, pretty content with the job that he's done as the sixth Ranger defenseman, and I would agree with that. Um, you know, he's not like a human highlight reel out there or anything like that, but he just doesn't get beat. He doesn't make mistakes. Uh, just a steady pair of hands and somebody that clearly knows what he's doing. But one thing that I've really noticed about Ben Harper that I really like, this guy is a really good teammate. Um, there was an incident in this game where the Rangers had taken a penalty. So delayed penalty on the Rangers. Maple Leafs had the puck and they take it. Giordano has the puck um, on in the Rangers zone. And Lindgren goes over, delivers a big hit, knocks him to the ice, and the Rangers touch up for the play stoppage. And you know, a couple of Maple Leafs started to go after Lindgren. Giordano got back up and, and wanted to you know, say something to him. And Ben Harper is there, and he immediately steps in there and uh, does not let anybody get to Lindgren. Now, of course, as we all know, Ryan Lindgren does not need anybody to protect him. We, we're all very well aware of that fact. But Ben Harper, this has kind of been his MO this season. There's been a lot of incidents where if something goes down on the ice, he'll be the first guy to step in there and uh, pretty much say, you're going to deal with me. You're not going to go after Vitaly Krasov or anybody else uh, on this team. You know, you, you're you going to talk to me uh, first. And um, that's just cool to see. It's good to see that, you know, he's come in, seems to be by all accounts, you know, the Ranger announcers were talking about this not too long ago. Sam and Joe seems to be very well-liked uh, by his Ranger teammates. And like I said, that's something that I've really noticed. You know, he'll step in there. You know, if there's like a scramble in front of the Ranger net um, and somebody's kind of lingering in the crease, he'll step in there between Igor and that player and move them out of there. So uh, just good stuff from Ben Harper, just becoming a very likable Ranger and uh, somebody that's overachieved. Obviously, he's not like a massive prospect or anything like that, but it's always fun to root for these guys that come in, give you more than you were expecting, and, um, you know, carve out a bigger role for themselves than probably anybody would have anticipated. So good stuff for Ben Harper there. Um, again, this was an unfortunate loss for the Rangers. I, I know I could just feel it, man. We all wanted this win. We wanted this win bad. Uh, even after Toronto tied it, I, I still felt like they would have a chance in the overtime. Uh, the Rangers, that is. Um, but the way I see this, I I'm going to do glass half full here. We're going to take a positive look at the Rangers situation right now. So Rangers lost this one in overtime, obviously. They play now at home against the Knights on Friday, and they play at 7 p.m., and that will be the final Rangers season, final Ranger game uh, for nine days. And so the way I see this, if the Rangers can go out there and beat Vegas, first of all, that's a great win because Vegas is having a fantastic season. But beyond that, if you win that game, you get to go into the break with a win, and you get to go into the break having claimed five points, out of six in the last three games against Florida, against Toronto, and against Vegas. That's pretty darn good. And it's a lot easier said than done. Vegas is a great team, but, you know, with the break in front of the Rangers, I'm sure it'll be Igor Sesterkin out there um, and the quality of the opponent as well. So let's do this, man. Let's go back to Madison Square Garden. Let's see the Rangers get a win here. And, you know, I'm not really all that happy about going nine days without Ranger hockey because I love this, man, as do a lot of you guys as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's a very nice way to go into the break. You don't want to go in with a second straight loss and have to wait around for a week and a half to, you know, see this team play hockey again, or in the case of the Rangers players, wait a week and a half to actually play hockey again. Um, but yeah, I figure we could pretty much call it there for today. Uh, once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to lockedonnyrangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is lockedonnyrangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers, and definitely subscribe to the Locked On New York Rangers YouTube channel. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.